Hi, this is a message from Life Church Leeds. We hope it encourages and helps you. Okay, I'm going to open the Bible today and share with you a word that I believe God has put on my heart for today. And I hope this is going to help us. Um, we're going to start by reading just a couple of verses in the book of Ephesians, which is a great book. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to 19. And uh, these verses will come on here. It says this, um, That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than that. I ask, I ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, I like this line, to make you intelligent. How many of you <laughs> kind of, I need that. I need God to make me intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear. Everybody say clear. So that you can see exactly what God is calling you to do. That you might grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. All the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him endless energy and boundless strength. I like this verse that Paul writes in Ephesians talking about that he might make us intelligent and that he might give us a discerning spirit so that we can work out the eyes of our heart, the NIV version says, may be enlightened. Like the eyes of our heart might come alive to see what God is asking of us, Okay. I want to speak a message today based on something that, a thought that came to me a couple of weeks ago. I don't know when you were a kid, um, but when I was in youth group, often in a little church, some of you might have done this as well, but do ever you remember when you'd have one of these brushes and you'd play the spinning game? Is that just me? But you'd basically put it up like that, okay, and you would look at the top of it. Anybody else play this game? Yeah, a few of you have. And you'd look at the top and you'd spin around and you'd keep spinning and spinning and spinning. Now, I'm not going to do that, okay, just yet, because I will totally, I will totally fall over. Um, but many of you would have played it. You keep your eye on the top of the broom and you spin and you spin. Another version might have been you put it down and you kind of spin. Either way kind of works. But what happens when you play that game is that you spin so much that after you have stopped spinning, uh, you are totally disoriented and a question can come to your mind and it is the question that is on this screen right now and the question is, where am I? Where am I? And that is what I felt God impress on my heart to speak to us today, this, this message title, Where Am I? Because I sense at the moment there are a lot of people in our world and in our lives asking this question. Where am I? I'm not talking necessarily about, you know, once you've played that game and like working whereabouts in the house you are. <laughs> I'm going a little bit deeper, metaphorically speaking, that many people are asking this question, really, how do I live centered in a disoriented world? How do I live grounded and how do I live in the middle of a disoriented world? Because the last 12 months have shaken us all up. They have spun us around. They have almost like put us in a tumble dryer 
where you find yourself spinning in this dryer and you can sometimes come to a point where you go, I don't actually know where I am at the moment. And maybe some of you resonate with that kind of thought and that kind of process. For some of you who might have been on furlough for nearly a year now, you might be asking, I don't even know kind of where my job looks like or where I want to do or what I want to be. And so these questions um, might have um, come to you in the last year or so. Some of you might be like, I've not asked any of those questions. I'm totally fine. It's been the best year of my life. I don't know what you're on about. Okay. But for some of you, this might be a little bit more relevant. Some of these questions that I want to share with you now, which is where do I want to live? Where do I want to live? Because I can live anywhere now. I can work from home. And so I don't need to live in Leeds. I don't need to live here. I don't need to like it. Where do we want to live? Where, where should we go? Another question might be, what do I want to do? I'm not sure I want to do what I've always done. What do I really want to do? Another question might be, what do I believe? People start questioning their belief. What is my purpose is another question people have. What are my real relationships? Where are my real relationships? Because I thought that was a real relationship, but I'm not sure it's a real relationship. What do I truly value? Where do I want to be? What is my idea about church? All of those things have kind of caused people to ask questions and you come to this point where you go, where am I? All relevant questions that have been thrust upon you over the past 12 months. They've been thrust upon me and they've been thrust upon you. And I want to say this, with all of those questions, it's okay to have those questions. It's okay to have those questions. Sometimes we can live in a world which seems it's quite important to have everything kind of signed, sealed, delivered, tick, 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 like sorted, planned out, ready to go. Yep, we're clear. But, and the, the idea in Ephesians that Paul talks about is that he might help us become clear in where we are going with our future. But the reality is many of us ask these kind of questions. Where am I? And I want to say it's okay to have them questions. And I also want to say this, it's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay not to have all the answers. If I asked you right now and I put the microphone in front of your mouth and I said, what are you going to do with your life? <laughs> Some of you would say, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I got no idea. If I put the microphone in some of else of you and I ask you this question, who are you going to marry? <laughs> Some of you would go, I don't know. Anyone at this moment. If I asked you this question, what is God saying to you right now? Some of you would say, I don't know, um, like nothing. <laughs> it's okay not to have the answers to some of life's big questions. And a few years ago, I spoke a message, maybe some of you might remember it. If you don't, then don't worry, it's totally fine. But the message was called being confident in the don't know which was we don't have to know everything, that I can be confident in the things that I don't know. Because what I do want to know are the two truths of who am I becoming and who I am, like Essan spoke about. We're still on the journey of that, but a more of a greater understanding as to who I am is an important truth to start to know. And the second one is you want to know who you are, but you also want to know who God is. Okay, they're important, but everything else in life often helps you figure out the answers to those things. 
And so you might have ideas, but you might be quite blurred in terms of where you think you currently are and where you think you're currently going. And I want to help kind of speak into that situation today. Because in the last year, what it has done, it has thrown up some big thoughts. And you need to give the big thoughts some of the big respect that it deserves. If you're into kind of church, people are saying, well, what's the church now going to look like post-COVID? Is everyone just going to stay at home and watch it on their TV? And are people not going to want to be entering into buildings anymore? I'm like, you know, people have all of these thoughts of, you know, what's it going to be like? Oh, we're not going to have city centres anymore. No one's going to ever go out. Everyone's just going to stay in their homes. If I'm honest with you, I think some of those thoughts are a little bit exaggerated. Someone spoke to me recently and they said, many Christians are weird. And I was like, you are right. <laughs> because Christians can sometimes think so deep, think so analytically, think so like more complex than maybe the rest of the world do. And so they were talking, you know, the church, well, the reforming of the church is going to look like we're not going to have buildings. People just want to float in the sky and, and do church in their car on the way to work. And yes, brother, I've been to church. And, you know, we don't want to gather like this anymore. And I understand people, but I'm like, man, you're getting a little bit deep into this. Because if you own a restaurant, restaurants aren't thinking, what are we going to do post-COVID? Shall we stop serving food and just serve positive vibes? <laughs> no, a restaurant is going to serve the steak that they serve pre-COVID. You go to Nando's, when it opens in a few weeks' time, guess what's going to happen when you go to Nando's? You're going to get the menu, you're going to go to the counter, you're going to order your chicken, medium, peri-peri, with chips and with the nacho peas. You're then going to go back to your seat and guess what? Somebody's going to bring your food. Yeah, food. It's not going to like fly in the sky, like somebody, a person is going to bring their food to your table. You're going to sit, you're going to eat it, and then you're going to go. <laughs> Cinemas aren't thinking, what are we going to do with the cinema now? No, people are going to drive from home. They're going to drive to the cinema. They're going to sit in a big seat and eat a massive tub of popcorn, which is way too big for them. And they're going to go home. When people go to concerts, guess what they're going to do? They're going to drive to a concert, listen to a great band, jump up and down <laughs> and go home. It's the Christians who are thinking everything's going to be so different as a result. Now, I know there are certain aspects which have caused us to revalue certain things about how we do life and how we do church. I understand that. But I think there's probably bigger questions to ask rather than the times of our services. <laughs> and so where am I is maybe somewhere some of you are today. Some of you thinking, do I want to be in Leeds? Do I want to stay here? Do I stick around? What do we want to do? Where do we want to be? Proverbs 16 verse 9, it says this. I love this verse. It says, humans plan their course, but it is the Lord that establishes their steps. Solomon is saying, we have a responsibility to have a plan, okay? A direction. And I would encourage everyone in this room to have a direction. Kind of, we're heading that way. We're heading north. We're heading north. But what that actually looks like step by step, I don't really know. 
Which is why sometimes when some young adults might speak to me and say, I don't really know what I want to do with the rest of my life and I'm really panicking because I need to have a job lined up right now. My response normally to them is like, well, what, what kind of thing do you feel like you feel you could do? Well, I love helping people and I love caring for people. Okay, that's the plan. We're going to go in the ballpark of caring for people. Okay, now the Lord establishes your steps. You take a step and God will keep taking your step and you keep taking a step, keep taking your step. And guess what? Six years down the line, you might find yourself as a nurse entitled to more than 1% of a pay rise, by the way. Um, or you might, <laughs> you might find yourself looking after the elderly or people with special needs. Now, you might not have known that six years ago. All you knew six years ago was that you had a heart to help people but it is the Lord who establishes your steps. You don't have to have everything lined up every day of every month of every year for the next four years lined up. Just have a plan and God will establish the steps. <laughs> it's God who will take you there. But it's not uncommon for good, Bible-believing, faithful, spirit-filled, church-going, Zoom-attending Christians. <laughs> have to say that now. To sometimes ask, where am I? Here's the thing when you ask that question. You often ask that question because the context or the circumstances of what you can see, maybe physically or spiritually, has changed, but like you're still the same. So I still feel the same and I, I don't feel hugely different to what I felt a year ago, but yet my world looks very different right now. My friends have moved, the course has changed. I've lost my job. My job has changed. I, you know, and, and, and you're still there, but yet the context has changed. If you think in the Bible, there are many times, I'm thinking Noah and his family when they enter into the ark and the Bible says, you know, a flood comes and floods the earth. Now, the, 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 the boat doesn't just stay in one place. The boat would have been taken here, there and everywhere over 40 days and 40 nights of intense rain that when the rain stops, and they finally enter out the boat. I'm sure Noah had to ask himself this question, where am I? <laughs> where are we? They just couldn't open their phone and look it at. No, they had to look, where are we? I'm pretty sure when Moses, when Moses is in the desert with, um, in, in, the, in, the, you know, in the wilderness with two million Israelites with him, I'm sure there are times in their 40 year journey where Moses looks up and goes, where on earth are we? <laughs> I'm sure there were times when the prodigal son who is eating pods in the pig pen because he has left where he was and he has made decisions which have taken him into a particular place and context where the Bible says the prodigal son came to his senses and said, where am I? What am I doing here? And decided to make a return towards the father's house. The Bible is full of people who ask this question. And so if you are asking this question today, guess what? You're in good company. Because all of us at times come to ask this question, where am I? But I want to take you to a book in the Bible today. And um, it's the book of Jonah. And some of you might know this book. And I want to read this. And I want to read as much as I can in the time that we have. And so hopefully this will help us with this um, message today because Jonah often also comes to the point where he has to ask himself, where am I? The Bible says in Jonah chapter one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. 
and said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take note of us so that we will not have to perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot unfortunately fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what, from what people are you? And he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? For they knew he was running away from the Lord. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Jonah said, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not for the sea grew even wilder. Then they cried to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the man greatly feared the Lord. The men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and for three nights. It's a pretty amazing story. One man who is called by God to go somewhere, decides, I don't want to go there, causes havoc where he is, gets thrown overboard and finds himself running away from the purposes of God and yet finds himself in the, light, in the belly of a fish. <laughs> He's running away from what life is asking of him right now. First point I want to share with you from this short passage of Scripture is that when you are in that place of disorientation and confusion and just lack of, I don't know where I should be, but I don't want to be doing that and I don't really know, the first thing I want you to, to encourage you to is that God will protect you in that place. God will protect you in that place. Jonah is thrown overboard so that he might die. It just so happens as a matter of coincidence that a huge fish, let's call it a whale, comes by and gobbles up Jonah. For three days he's inside that belly. Inside the belly of a fish, Jonah has no control. Inside the belly of the fish, Jonah has no perspective and he has no idea what is going on. He is just sitting in the belly of a fish. The question I'd ask of you today and the question I ask of me is this. What do you do when you find yourself in the belly of a fish? <laughs> From experience. Because if that was me, I would be moaning in that belly. If that was me, I'd be whinging in that belly. I can get frustrated in that place. I, 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 can, I can be angry in that place. What does Jonah do when he's in the belly of a fish? Look at Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed. 
to the Lord God. And he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. <laughs> when God protects you, he protects you for a purpose. Inside the mess of the belly of a fish, Jonah prays. And I want to encourage you today, inside your mess, you need to pray. Inside your darkness, you need to pray. Inside your sense of feeling useless, you need to pray. Because maybe God has protected you so that you can use that protection to pray. In verse 10 of that chapter, chapter 2, it says, After he prayed to the Lord, the Lord commanded the fish after three days and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. That is significant because Jonah wasn't just vomited back into the sea. He wasn't just, vomit he wasn't just vomited back into more disorientation. No, he was vomited onto dry land. He was vomited onto a place where he would be able to work out where he is because at least on dry land, he can start to walk again. He can start to move again. Look what it says in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 to 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time and God repeats what he said the first time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim, it, proclaim to it the message I will give you. And so what has happened? Jonah has ran away. God has protected Jonah. Jonah has prayed to God. And the second thing, is that God will purpose you in that place. When you are asking, where am I? I believe God has the ability to purpose you, to bring purpose to you in that place. Clear steps, once again, for Jonah to follow. Go to Nineveh and pray and proclaim the message I will give you. Now in chapter 1, verse 2, the Bible says Jonah runs away from Nineveh. In chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says Jonah goes to Nineveh because God has shown his faithfulness in his protection of Jonah and Jonah has prayed and God has therefore brought clarity to Jonah's life. And sometimes the reason we are asking where am I in life is because we are lacking clarity. But the clarity won't come from the context. The clarity will come from Jesus. He is the one who has the ability to open our hearts and open the eyes of our hearts that they might be enlightened so that he might be able to give us the discernment to what he is calling us to do. Jonah finds new purpose in where he is going. I'm going to go to Nineveh, the Bible says, and proclaim the message that I will give you. And one of the reasons maybe you are here today and you're asking this question, where am I, is because you are questioning ultimately your purpose. What you're really asking is, I'm not sure of my purpose in life. That's a big question. How do we narrow that down a little bit? We narrow it down by saying, what am I on this planet for? <laughs> what am I really here for? Because many of you can go through the last year and go, I, I, what am I here for? I kind of... I'm kind of doing this, but I don't really know what I should be doing. Purpose is found in alignment with God's heart and God's will. That's where you find your purpose, in alignment with his heart and with his will. Now, people sometimes feel purposeless because they are out of alignment with God's heart. But your purpose is not found in your nine till five. 
Your purpose is found in your whole life's existence. Your job doesn't define your purpose. Your life defines your purpose. What we do, who we are, how we respond, how we react, who we are as people is our purpose. Your nine till five, what you get paid for is a part of that. But you know, you, you've probably heard, you know, a, a career is what you get paid for, but a calling is what you were made for. And so the career pays your bills and that is needed, but a calling is what you are made for. And your calling goes way beyond simply your nine till five. I know there are people in here, I've seen my friend here who's a professional rugby league player, and that's what he gets paid to do. But I know, because I encourage him, his calling is way more than simply scoring tries on a rugby pitch. Scoring tries on a rugby pitch is great and fantastic and is what God has gifted him to do, but his calling is more than that. My calling is more than simply preaching here. My calling is more than simply running a church. Your calling is more than working in the NHS or walking, working in a shop or working as a fashion designer. That might be a career and that is fantastic and God has gifted you that and God can also call you into that. But your calling is how you respond to people, the impact you make on earth, the difference you make to people's lives. It talks about the relationships you have with one another. It is the whole 360 degrees in a alignment with God's heart and God's will that is your purpose and so I pray that you might find an realignment of your sense of purpose as you are asking the question of where am I and so God will protect you number one God will purpose you number two and to close God will provide also for you in that place Jonah chapter four verse five to six this whole chapter talks about God's provision because Jonah ends up going on his way to Nineveh, reluctantly, but he does it. And in Jonah chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. And there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah's head to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. <laughs> Strange verse to put in. But verse after verse, it talks about God giving stuff to Jonah. God providing for Jonah. Why? Because provision will always follow purpose. Wherever there is purpose on your life, provision will follow. And in your disorientation right now, Purpose finds provision. Why? Because the purpose of the provision is for your purpose. But as we think about the book of Jonah, it ends in chapter 4, verse 11. And when I was reading the book this week, I was really disappointed. Because it is the most disappointing ending to any book in the Bible. It just ends with no understanding what Jonah did in Nineveh. Did he actually go? Did he actually proclaim the word of the Lord? Did anyone actually find salvation? Did Jonah die when he was there? Nothing. We don't know. It's like watching a series on Netflix and you've watched eight episodes and it's drawing up to this conclusion and then ends. And you're there going, don't leave it like that. Don't leave it so unended. That is really frustrating. I need to know how this series finishes. 
And I'm there going, God, like, what happens? Just nothing, unanswered. And I was thinking about it, and I think it's almost like God is saying, not every story needs a happily ever after kind of ending. Because often life is not that clean cut. Often life can remain unfinished. Often life can remain unanswered. Often life can remain unknown. And guess what? Maybe God is okay with that. Why? Because God cares for Jonah. You see, the central theme of the story of Jonah, you think the central theme of the book is about the whole city of Nineveh but it's not. You'd think the central theme of the book of Jonah would be about this huge fish that swallows a man, but that's not the central theme of Jonah. The central theme of Jonah is about a disobedient man called Jonah <laughs> that God loves, that God protects, that God knows, that God purposes, that God provides for, that God cares for, again and again and again. The central theme of Jonah is really a central theme of our lives where we are walking away from what he's asking us to do, where we are doing what we want to do, where we are going where we want to go and yet God remains faithful to us. And so if you are asking the question today, where am I? And you're like, this is unanswered. I thought I was going to leave the service today with an X, Y, Z, a one, two, three, an ABC. I'm not leaving you with an ABC. That's for you to figure out in alignment with God. But what I am telling you is God will protect you. God will continue to purpose you. And God will continue to provide for you. And so you get your plan but it will be God who take, guides you in your steps. You might know the ballpark of where you want to be, but God will protect you on that journey. God will purpose you on that journey and God will provide for you on that journey. Look what it says in Isaiah. I need to close. The band can come up with me right now. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. This is my prayer for you. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I prophesy that verse over some of your lives today. For some of you asking, where am I? That there will be a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. It won't always be, this is the destination. It will be, this is the way, take a step, go again, go again go again. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to purpose you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to purpose you. I'm going to provide for you. So for those of you who are freaking out about the next six months of where you're going to be, of where you're going to live, of what you're going to do, of how it's going to work out, chill out and understand he's going to protect me. He's going to purpose me. He's going to provide me. And the voice of God will be behind me saying, this is the way to go. Maybe you're running away from God right now. Maybe you feel thrown aboard right now. Maybe you feel like you're in the belly of a fish right now. Maybe you feel you've been vomited onto dry land with no idea where you are going right now. 
Maybe you feel like you're walking to Nineveh with boldness and authority right now. Wherever you might be, I want to encourage you, God is with you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? God is on your side. So even if we have the level of disobedience of Jonah, guess what? It's all right. God can bring you back. God can take you back. Prayer is a powerful weapon in your place of disorientation. So how do you find your centre in a disoriented world? You pray to God. You say, may your voice guide me in the steps I need to take. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet today.